Think Red Ink Ministries presents The Words of Jesus series with Don C. Harris Hello friend, Don Harris here. We've been talking about for several days, hope you've been a part of, of the other shows, uh, we've been talking about the words of Jesus. At Think Red Ink Ministries, we take great stock by what the Son of God actually had to say to us. I know that sounds silly, like you might be there thinking, well, duh, but <laughs> the truth is that uh, there's just a lot of people that, number one, don't know what he said, number two, most everything they believed that he said was something that somebody else told them. Uh, it, and they never really read the scriptures for themselves. And of course there's other ones who take uh, what he said, mistranslate, detranslate, transliterate, transmogrify. I don't know what they're doing to the scriptures nowadays, but they uh, kind of impose their own thoughts within the words of Christ and I don't know, what are they trying to make him kinder and gentler? I don't know what they're trying to do. But uh, the truth is, is as we get to know him better uh, and get to know his words better, uh, we start to find out that if we can apply his words, his actions, his life, if we can apply these things to our lives, they just get better and better. And that is the idea, isn't it? There was a time when uh, Jesus was telling his disciples, he said, that deal you heard in the newspaper the other day uh, where the tower in Siloam fell. Remember that? They said, yeah, that was terrible. And, and when uh, Herod had uh, killed those people who had come to the Galileans that had come to um, get, make sacrifice, that's awful, isn't it? And they said, yeah, that's awful. He said, what do you think of those two tragedies? You think that uh, they were sinners above all Galileans? Do you think that uh, that they deserved what they got? I tell you, no. But except you repent, you shall all likewise perish. Now, last time we were talking about John the Baptist being the greatest prophet in the world, the greatest prophet born of a woman by the testimony of Jesus. And he made the comment that um, him being the greatest uh, prophet, um, and it prompted me to try to find out, well, what exactly was uh, John the Baptist preaching and teaching? And that's exactly what he was teaching, was repentance. It was change. Now, if you take the idea of change, even the word of change, and replace repentance with it, what he told those people, what he was telling his disciples was, except you change, you'll all likewise perish. Now, friend, am, am, am I twisting the scriptures here? Is that, is that what's going on? Or is, or is he really saying, well, unless you really feel sorry for your sins, that you're going to die the same way? I don't know. Uh, I, I, don't, I know how I've interpreted it in the past. But when I understood what change was, here I hear, I hear Jesus saying, these things happen to everybody. These horrible things in life happen to everybody. Man, they happen to you. You've got stories that would make your hair stand up on somebody's neck. I'm sure. We've all had situations in our life where we've been in peril, 
where we've had loved ones die, where we've uh, been stricken with serious and incurable illnesses. We've had homes burned down. We've had problems in our life. But you know what Jesus has promised to us, to us was, if you'll change, none of these things are going to take you down. None of these things are going to make you perish. That's really what we want. That's what we have to have. But we're going to have to do things his way. We know that Jesus, we know John the Baptist taught that when Jesus came, things were going to change. And, um, and we also know, we also happen to know that um, when, uh, when Jesus was talking about uh, bringing about different kind of changes in religion of the day, um, they didn't set well with a lot of the religious leaders. They weren't tickled about this at all. Um, there were times when the when the Pharisees would say, "Hey, what are you saying? You know, you realize when you say that you're indicting us." <laughs> and Jesus is thinking, "Yeah, <laughs> that's what I'm doing." And uh, he just didn't really have a problem making these uh, changes in religion. Therefore, we really shouldn't have trouble making changes in our lives as well. If we have a true change within ourselves, if we, are, if we are changed from the inside, we are regenerated. We're different people on the inside. We can look at tragedy um, as, as um, the house burning down, winning the lottery. You know, it's, they're all, that's just life. That's just the way it goes. Who can live like that? Who can do that? It's people who have a good conscience toward God. I told you, my little three-step plan for people is, I mean, you want a relationship with God? Number one, keep His commandments. There's ten of them, and there's not a one of them you can't do. Period. Two, never disobey your conscience. You should always do what you know is the right thing to do. You're not always going to do that. You're going to go against your conscience. You'll learn better, though, if you'll just do it. Third one is, is you need to take time every day to hear the voice of God and let Him change you from the inside. Do you realize if you do that, you'll be a different man? M mostly what you'll have removed from your life is that constant nagging when you do bend the fender on your new car, that, oh God, why me thing, that just evaporates. I haven't broken any of his commandments. I haven't disobeyed my conscience. I consulted with him just this morning. So what's happening to me now? It's just life. It's just life. Oh, yeah, well, that's easy to say. Let me tell you something. It's easy to do if you'll just do what I'm telling you to do. And that is... Keep his commandments. You don't, have to, you don't want to sit there and wonder if you're sick because you're breaking one of his commandments. Do you? Is that the way you want to live? Not me. Never disobey your conscience. You don't want to wonder if you're having some tragedy in your life because you've done something that you know is the wrong thing to do. Don't do that. And to take time every day to hear the voice of God. I remember one time there was something happened in my life that was 
pretty tragic by anybody's standard. And a friend told me, he says, well, maybe God's trying to tell you something. You heard that? What is his tongue tied? He can't speak English? He, I mean, he used to speak to people, but he can't speak anymore? What do you mean? He broke my leg because he's trying to tell me something? Look, friend, let me tell you something that you may not know about me, I say to my friend who is accusing me of this. God's trying to tell you something. Uh, I said, I was just speaking with him this morning. He never mentioned it. <laughs> you want a relationship with God like that? Those kind of things are available, friend. You can have them. That can be you. The tower in Siloam Falls, the, the political powers that be uh, having you destroyed for trying to worship God in your own way. And uh, the good news is, yeah, you're going to have tragedy. You're going to have a problem, but you don't have to perish by it. And here's what I want you to see. It's the repentance part. It's the repentance part. It's the, remember I, uh, I was trying to say that when, when tragedy does strike your life and you've not been playing your own game, you've not been doing your own thing, you've not been satisfying yourself at every turn like you do now, <laughs> and you, that means that when these tragedies happen, you don't start reeling back in your mind and trying to figure out, what did I do to deserve this? Why me, Lord? What have I ever done? Right? You don't have to live like that. The way you can live is with a clear conscience. Now, what does the Bible say about a good conscience toward God? You remember? The Bible speaking about baptism. He says, now look, the, the mikvah, the, the act of mikvah, this immersion, this uh, baptism... It's understood among a lot of, of the Jews that it, it's important exactly how you're baptized. And, well, shoot, we've got that in our, in our uh, Presby, uh, Presbyterian, in our, our Protestant denominations. You know, um, you know did, did all your hair go under when the preacher dunked you? Did you get wet all over? <laughs> you know, well, this is not a new idea. This isn't just something that came along with Protestantism. The Jews were very particular about making sure that they spread their fingers and they, and they, they opened their eyes and, they, and they, they flexed their body parts to make sure that the water touched everywhere. And um, uh, there was a, uh, an aspect of uh, the, the mikvah that was, that was a cleansing. Well, you know, uh, the apostle says that you need to know that when it comes to baptism, this is not a cleansing of the flesh. This is not, this isn't taking a bath. This is, have you, have you remembered the scripture yet? I ask you, where does the Bible talk about a good conscience toward God? Isn't it right there? Talking about baptism and answer, it is an answering of a good conscience toward God. See, baptism is not something that we're supposed to do once. It's not a confirmation or, what do they call it? I guess the Catholics call that confirmation. When you're a little baby and you get baptized, uh, the Anabaptists came along and, and said that that's not right and, 
and this is the way you get baptized, and you get baptized at this age, but not at this age, and and you got to make sure that the water is, is it, does it need to be cold or hot? Can it be salt water? Can, is it fresh water? Is it running water? Is water coming in and out of the tank at the same time? These things are very important. And and the, the preacher, the preacher that baptizes you, has he been ordained by an elder somewhere? Does he have the power, the authority to baptize you? Did he put you in backwards or did he put you in frontwards? Did he, did he make sure that you went all the way under? You can, you can play these games all you want. If those kind of things are important to you, John the Baptist has some very bad news for you. <laughs> he says, yeah, I come baptizing with water. That's what I do. I baptize with water. But there's one that comes after me that'll baptize with the Holy Spirit. Do you see this contrasting conjunction of the two ideas? He's saying that I baptize with water, but when Jesus comes, he's going to baptize with water too? Is that what he said? As a matter of fact, the scriptures say Jesus baptized not. Did you know that? Some of his disciples baptized, but he never did. Paul says, I baptized a couple of you, but not many. And, you know, those that I did baptize, I hope they're, hope they're not following me around. You know, I'm, you know, hey, I plant, Paulus waters, God gives the increase. All of a sudden, this authoritative baptism, this uh, logistics that are involved in baptism, is the water, you know, a certain way or a certain place? Can you, can you get baptized in a swimming pool if it's got chlorine in it? Or do you have to be a pond? Does it have to be a river? All this, all this foolishness that goes along with baptism, and we miss the whole idea of baptism. John says it this way, I indeed baptize with water, but there cometh one after me who will baptize in the Holy Ghost, in the Spirit of God. Do you know what it means to be baptized into Christ? I, I remember as a, as a young Christian dealing with a, with a certain Baptist church that I grew up in. Thank God for the Baptist. Somebody was preaching uh, the gospel and trying to tell a young 14-year-old punk how to be saved. Uh, I was glad that they did. But when it came to baptism, I was a little concerned because um, I just, I don't know, I just didn't buy the whole idea uh, are you saying that I need to be baptized to be saved? Well, that's what the scriptures say. Uh, and there's people that, that actually do this, um, that, that actually make salvation contingent upon your baptism. Um, people ask me all the time, do you believe you need to be baptized to be saved? I say, yes, I do. But what kind of baptism? Do I believe you need to be baptized in water? to be saved? Or is it the baptism that John the Baptist tried to get across to us that there's going to come, a, 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 that when Jesus Christ comes, he's going to baptize with the Holy Spirit. Look, friend, you're not baptized in the Spirit of God? Then I have great questions about your uh, sanctification, redemption, salvation, the whole deal. I have great question about that. Now why is that? Because the Bible says that 
it's, it, it is those who are baptized in the Holy Spirit that are in the church of Jesus Christ. Now, and, I, and by the church, I mean that, you know, that great uh, holy and universal and invisible uh, group of people around who love the Lord and who are a part of his, of his church. They're a part of, as Apostle Paul said, spiritual Israel. How did they get in there? That's what I want to know. Well, there's two things. One of them is the Bible says that if we have uh, faith in Christ, then are we Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. What's the promise? The promise of a covenant. We have a covenant. With that covenant is an entrance into the kingdom of God by way of baptism by the Spirit of God. You can't replace the baptism of the Spirit with baptism by water. Where did you get that idea? You can't replace it. I don't care if you baptize them when they're babies, baptize them when they're 30 or 60 or 90. It doesn't matter. It matters not a whit. What you have to be is baptized by the Spirit of God, baptized into the Spirit of God. You know what that means? To be baptized into Christ? To be baptized into Him is to be immersed in Christ. There are many confusing doctrines about the name of Jesus. Many people love to spend hours talking about, you know, Yeshua, Yesu, uh, is his name Yahshua, is it Jesus, is it whatever. Man, you can go on forever with this. And the, the fact of the matter is that when we're baptized in the name of Jesus, that's not just something that falls out of the lips of, of the guy who's dunking you under the water. By the way, that particular concept of a man baptizing you, that's not the mikvah at all. The mikvah that John the Baptist uh, taught, preached, and practiced, the mikvah that the Jews practice to this very day. There's no third party, in, uh, third party. There's no second party involved in this. I was thinking about a marriage situation. Uh, calling it a third party. There's another uh, interloping uh, priest situation or preacher or whatever that is joining two people before God uh, that is absolutely unnecessary. Why do we do that? That's the way we've always done it. That's the way it's done. Well, I mean, that way isn't the way it's always been done. I understand people just jump over a broomstick and go on home married. I mean, those kind of things happen. And uh, they happen in many other cultures. Not saying that it's wrong or anything else. I'm just saying, think about this. Think for yourself. Where did this guy come from that's baptizing you? What is he even doing there? Why is he even there in the water with you? Um, we do, we, our, our purpose is to be baptized into Christ into the name of Jesus. It's not his name. It's not the letters. I, I, try to, I try to put pants on the scriptures by getting people to think about this. If Jesus got a job at Walmart, what would they put on his little name tag right here? Well, that might be his moniker. That might be letters that, if pronounced correctly, he would turn around and look at you, perhaps, but is that the name of Jesus when the Bible talks about the name of Jesus? 
No. The name of Jesus is his nature. So to be baptized into Christ, baptized into the name of Jesus, baptized in the name of Jesus, you're being baptized, you're being immersed into the nature of Christ. Now, should that happen, you think things are going to change in your life? You think you're going to keep the commandments? He did. You think you're going to do the right thing? He did. You think you're going to please your father? He did. Everything about his nature, when you add it up, what you're going to find is that you start to emulate him. Wait a minute, isn't that what they exactly what they did? Isn't that how they became what they called Christians? They were little Christs. They were acting just like he did. It wasn't it uh, Peter, James, and John. Uh, they got in trouble with the with the local authorities, and their testimony about them was they're ignorant, unlearned men. But it's pretty obvious that they've been with Jesus. What? A, isn't that a wonderful testimony? Isn't that what we want? So when John the Baptist comes here saying, it's time to be baptized, he says, the, the baptism that I am offering you is nothing short, nothing more than a Jewish mikvah. That's all it is. It's all it is. It's just you deciding to keep his commandments, which is good, and that's what you should do. But there's one coming after me, I'm not even worthy to unbuckle his shoes. And he is going to baptize with the Spirit of God. How's he going to do that? How are you going to affect your own baptism? I'll tell you what you're going to do. You're going to answer a good conscience toward God. You're going to live a life that is clean, that is not in violation of the commandments, not in violation of what you know is the right thing to do. You're going to spend time before the Lord and give Him that, that opportunity to speak to your heart. We're going to talk more about that as we go. Um, but th there's hardly anything more important in your life than to remove the idea that we sin every day, nobody can keep the commandments, it's, it, it's impossible not to sin, uh, you know, all these kinds of ideas that, that come into our mind and give us an excuse to do whatever we want to do. You know what I mean? That has to stop. That has to quit. It has to quit now. And if you're going to, if your intention is to become Christian, you have to look into these things. You cannot ignore these things. The greatest prophet that ever lived said, all of this begins with repentance. You must repent. That means change the way you're doing. Change the way you're living. Quit going your way and start going his way. When you do that, by any Jewish standard, you qualify for mikvah. And when you baptize in water, it's a good thing. It's a wonderful thing. But there's a baptism awaiting you. And that is the baptism in the Spirit of God. That is the essential baptism. That's the one that brings about salvation. That's the one that puts your name on that roll that, you've, that is going to be, as you sing so often, called up yonder. The, the other misconception about baptism is that it's a one-time thing. And that, you know, you baptize once, 
you're, uh, whether you're christened as a baby, whether you're, you, know, you, uh, you accepted Jesus as a teenager, or even later in life, 30, 40, 50, 60 years old, doesn't matter, but you get baptized. You can ask any Protestant, when were you baptized? <laughs> and they'll give you a date. The truth is that a mikvah, the cleansing that takes place in a person's life, is not something that happens one time, but is something that should happen many times through a person's life. You'll find that there's a that there are points in your life when you, as many Protestants use the term, rededicate your life. There are people that find themselves out of fellowship with God that want to make things right. Perfect time for mikvah. How about taking a wife? Perfect time for mikvah. How about taking a new job? Perfect time for mikvah. How about having a baby, a new child in your home? Perfect time for mikvah. Well, Don, if what you're saying is true, then we baptize all the time? Absolutely. Who told you that it's one and done? Where did that idea come from? I could tell you, but our Catholic friends are not going to like it. Friend, the truth is, is that many of our doctrines come out of the Catholic Church. They come out of that, um, the religious, the ritual, the, the liturgy of things that we have to believe and things we have to do and the, and the works that, that Martin Luther worked so hard against to try to say we're not saved by works, we're saved by faith. The reason that he said that was because the Catholic Church was rife with these kinds of works. And we have that problem within ourselves. There's something in man that makes him think that he needs to work to bring about in his life what he needs to bring about in his life spiritually. Paul says, let me ask you something, guys. (laughs) So what you began in the spirit, you're going to now try to make this perfect by the flesh? Isn't it funny when somebody puts things like they really need to be put they really sound kind of foolish. We began in the Spirit, my friend. It was the Spirit of God that convicted you. It's the Spirit of God that is telling you now that you need to make changes in your life. It will be the Spirit of God that regenerates us. Friend, these things are wonderful things. But we ha- what we have to realize, without a doubt, is that we're spiritual beings. And we need a spiritual baptism. We're going to talk about John's baptism when we come here next time. That's all for today. Join us next time in this series called The Words of Jesus. You've been listening to Don C. Harris of Think Red Ink Ministries. Email don at thinkredink.com.
That's thinkredink.com. Join us again for the next episode in the Words of Jesus series.